0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Axiom Podcast. It's a podcast feed by Axiom Church in Arizona. We really just want to host some conversations about what we think God is up to in our community and in our world. And we also want to post our sermons from our Sunday gatherings. You can get all that here and more. Um, so, definitely interact with us on our social medias. It's all under um, Axiom Church AZ, and our website's axiomchurchaz.com. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy. We are in Lent, okay? Uh, and, and with Lent, there's an opportunity for us to learn to let go of the things that only Jesus should be holding. And, and so, we're going to talk about that as well. But before we go there, uh, I have a question to ask. Do you, do you, I'm talking to you, ever get so fixated on something that you can't let it go? Have you ever been that guy or girl where you just picking apart one little thing and you're trapped there? And what happens is as you get fixated on it, what happens to everything else that's actually important? It goes down, it's important level goes down, and this other thing becomes central. Obsessive almost, right? I'm the worst at this in my house. We could be throwing a huge party, and I'll be thinking about this one thing to the point that I leave the party to go address the thing. Or there are other things that I can't stop thinking about that I won't, but for some reason, I don't do anything about it also. I don't know how that works. But it does, and it's typically things with the house for me. I don't know what it is for you. But for me, the grace that I have is I'm married, and my wife will pull me out of this, because she'll notice that I got so hyper fixated on that one thing. She'll be like, babe, where are you right now? I'm, I'm painting the garage, you know, in my head. And, and so, 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 you know, so for those of you that are single, there's no salvation for you. Uh, You better go do the thing you're thinking about or it will haunt you. Um, But that's what it feels a little bit like sometimes. And I'm I'm the worst of it. Now, that's the bottom line, though. We do get fixated on things. And and the truth is, sometimes we get fixated on the wrong thing. Classic Martha and Mary scenarios, right? Where We're we're, we're hyper-fixated on all the little things, but Jesus turns to Martha and says, Martha, you can be worried about everything, but you should just be worried about this one thing. And, and and Jesus re-centers her and points her back to what Mary's concerned with, which is her union with Jesus. And and I love that reminder because I think that's a little bit of what Lent is like for us. That's what I hope it is like for us. That we strip away all the fixations that are keeping us from being centered appropriately on Jesus, He's the only center, by the way, that is qualified or stable enough to hold us steady, to speak to our life in a way that is going to produce real fruit in it. Now I know there are all sorts of other things demanding your attention, but that's what Lent does is Lent invites you to say, "No, no, no those things don't get to have front and center. Let's put that aside. Let's strip it away, let's prune it, let's release it, let's let it go, let's surrender it. But we're uncomfortable with doing that, especially in our culture. Our culture does not like to let go. We do not like to release things. I'm reminded, and I want to let Jesus speak for himself and the gospel speak for themselves, but of John 17, and it's going to come up here. And we've shared this verse with you many times, but, but I think it's really important that we, we, we go here again. And this is what it says in verse 2. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. I'm just going to hold it there for a second because I want you to hear this. All authority has been given to Jesus, which means, again, that he's the only capable uh, person who can handle whatever it is that you have. You give anything else, you make anything else the center, you give it authority, you give it power. Okay? When you're fixated on the wrong things, Jesus gets displaced in that. And, and, and so I think this verse speaks to this idea because the truth is, we give the authority away. We, like, it's not your pastor, it's not your denomination, it's not the next big idea, it's not the, your boss at work. Jesus is the only sufficient authority to hold us together. And so, so So not only that, though, what does he do with his authority? Well, verse 3, now this is, excuse me, all people that he might, for you, I'm going to start over in verse 2 because I can't talk today, for you granted him authority over all people. Now, what does he do with that? That he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so so not only is Jesus our only center but his affection needs to become our affection that the thing that Jesus who has all the authority cares most about guess what it's not what you believe in it's not what you do with what you believe in it's not even who you become based on what you believe in it's who you're with it's him it's a relationship with God that is at the center of his affection. And as we get that right, what you do and what you believe and who you become begins to get shaped in the midst of a relationship with God and with one another. That's his focal point. He wants to give you eternal life, which he defines as intimacy with him, that you might know you and you would know him. It's so important that we get this, that that anything else that we're carrying with us in Lent, that we might come under the authority of Jesus, and that our affections may be His affections, that we too would desire oneness with God and with one another. Now, we continue to invite you to, to put in God's hands the things that are keeping you from that oneness. And I know you're with me. You're going, hey... Like, a relationship with Jesus sounds great, right? Like, making Jesus number one sounds great, right? But here's my question for you. How far will you
1: go? How far are you willing to go with him? What if he wants you to do something you don't want to do?
0: What if the future he has for you isn't the future that you had for yourself? How far will you go? And, and, and actually, we should hear the question from Jesus. How far will you go with me?
1: Because where he's going is something we have to consider. Are you willing to suffer for him? Are you willing to look foolish for him?
0: Are you willing to fail with him. So, like, again, like, I know. I love signing up for Jesus. I love showing up to church. But now, we're, what do you want to do? And there's this struggle we have, right? Like, we, we, I,
1: I want to be a Christian. I'm not sure I want to be a disciple. Well, what we see from Jesus'
0: own words... Well, I'll just let him speak for himself. But I want you to listen to his words and give him the authority. Because all authority has been given to him. So now we hear his words with that authority. So this is what he says Mark chapter 8. You can turn there. Um, Mark chapter 8, verse 31 through 38. All right, are you guys okay? Should we pray? It's interesting. Sometimes first service is like really quiet, and you guys are usually pretty boisterous. But today, I think, I think you had too much to drink last night or something. Just kidding. All right, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Hear Jesus' words, give him the authority. This is what he says he then began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days rise again, he spoke plainly about this. I'm so glad Mark put that in there. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now just pause there. Like, like Jesus comes to us. He says, listen, I'm so glad you're on board. Here's what's going to happen. And he says it real plainly. I'm going to suffer. Everyone's going to reject me. And then I'm going to be killed. Come follow
1: me. How far will you go? See, we love the ideas of God. We love the
0: peace of Christ. We love... The, the joy of Christ the fruits of the spirit we love the idea that we're
1: going to be saved one day that we're going to go to heaven when we die but all of that comes with all of this Jesus would have been like the worst pastor ever by the way
0: Hey, we're gonna go die. Come to my church. Can you imagine that? We laugh though because we're used to being in a culture where our churches are selling you something. Axiom two. And, and and we're telling you how perfect and how great and amazing it's gonna be all the time. But the reality is, and we have to come to terms with this as good as it's gonna be, it's also gonna be really hard. This is difficult. This is challenging. There's suffering that's involved, and and Peter didn't like it either. Peter, Peter's like that. Wait, what? That's not where we're going. The the narrative that Peter had in his mind was that they were going to Jerusalem, that they were going to take the throne, that he was going to start a new kingdom right then and there, and it was going to be powerful. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says this, and Peter says, that's not what I signed up for. You're not going to do that. Come over here. And in that moment, Peter says, what you're aiming at, Jesus, is not what I'm aiming at. And in fact, I rebuke you, Jesus. You need to come back and aim at this thing with me. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Now, those are harsh words, and we'd love to be like, man, what was Peter thinking? But the reality is, you have to ask yourself, what is it that you're aimed at? What do you think it is that Jesus is taking you to? What's the thing? Is it some new vocation? Is this some great thing that's going to come out of the sky? What is it? My question to you, is the thing that you're aimed at look like the cross? Or does it look like something else? Because again, most of us, I want to be a Christian. I want, to, I want to do all that. But I'm not sure I want the suffering. We, our culture, our world, and the church included, is, is so conflict avoidant that we don't even have a way of thinking about this outside of positivity. And I'm not trying to just be a downer. I am a little bit. I want to be sobered. I want to, I want to be realistic about the full breadth of the gospel. I, I don't want to inappropriately put on a Jesus that
1: is, is just half a Jesus,
0: not all of it. I want us to be confronted by the real Jesus. So verse 33, Jesus turned and looked at his disciples and he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan. And and guys, that's the process of Lent. That's what Lent is. Lent is, hey, that thing that you're aimed at, that you think I'm going at with you, that's not it. Let me take you, reorient you around my cross. My life of discipleship with you
1: looks like the cross. It does. And that's not all bad, and we'll get to that. And so, you know, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human
0: concerns. You're focused on the wrong thing. And we can. We get fixated on the wrong things all the time. Verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And guys, that's not just a prayer you say. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And then he asked, it was just a pfft, Good question. He's so good at questions. What good is it for someone to gain the the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I love a straight shooter. So Jesus tells it to them and to us straight he says hey i'm going to be rejected by everyone and killed that's going to happen the journey we are on the journey that you are on is not flawless there is failure there is suffering and there is loss and he loves us too much to live in a fairy tale And he loves us too much to let him be anything other than what he really is. Because the truth is, not only sometimes are we any kind of fairy tale, sometimes we want Jesus to be our fairy godmother. We want him to to be our sugar daddy. Or pick your thing. We give Jesus
1: all sorts of attributes. And then he just kind of says, ah, no, that's not me. That's not me. The journey is going to involve suffering. It's not without loss.
0: Not for me, Jesus, and not for you. Just so we're all on the same page. That's what
1: Jesus is saying. Man, I was so with you, Jesus, until you got to that first part. (laughs) Until you got to the beginning. I, I want, guys, I want Jesus
0: to just be like crushing it all the time. I want Jesus and the life of Jesus to just be like success all the time. I would love that.
1: But if that's what Jesus gave us, he wouldn't get all of us. He would get parts of us. Because success doesn't teach you as much as you think it does. It's not a good enough authority to orient your life around. Now, success has maybe made you some money or maybe got
0: you pointed in the right direction with your career. But the real things that are going to shape you inform form you and take you somewhere are the things that
1: you have no control over. Like suffering and pain and rejection and loss. They will shape and form you.
0: Uh, Eventually we read that, you know, hey, you, you can tie your own shoes now, but eventually you won't even be able to do that. Someone else will
1: pick you up and carry you where you don't want to go. And that's the same idea here. Now, it's easy to poke at the modern church,
0: so let's poke at the modern church for a second. But let's make sure we're looking at ourselves also. The church often, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why, we're just obsessed with it also.
1: But we're trying to sell you a Jesus that's just part Jesus. Not all of Jesus. Jesus.
0: And, and I get it. Like, I, I want to take my family to a church that's real positive and uplifting. And I want to be, you know, joy-filled and all that. And those are good things. But, like, when you look at the church that has put all its authority in Jesus and has centered its affection on the relationship, that means that there's real suffering. That we don't look another way to the pain of others. That we see all of it. And I think we have to ask ourselves a, a, a real serious
1: question. What is it that you, you want to see? And is it possible that that's
0: filtering what really is? That that's clouding
1: the thing that Jesus really is? For these early followers, what they wanted to see was success. And so... He didn't mean that. Surely he didn't mean that. That's the dominating narrative. That's the problem. We have assumptions.
0: But notice our assumptions tend to err on the side of victory, not loss. But
1: Jesus doesn't begin with victory, he begins with loss. Nobody likes to lose. Nobody wants to sign up for failure. I don't. Not exactly what we had in mind, Jesus.
0: You know, I was half joking with my staff this week. I was like, why don't we throw a conference at Axiom called How to Shrink Your Church?
1: (laughs) Because I'm getting bombarded with conferences about how to grow your church. And I'm just tired of it. It's exhausting to me. It feels like
0: my businesses I own. I don't want this to be that. I actually think I'd be pretty qualified at how to shrink a church. We could call it, honey, I shrunk the church. (laughs) Jesus would be really good at that. Tons of people were following him until about this juncture right about here in the season of Lent of his life when things
1: started to be costly. Again, I'm not not trying to be a
0: downer, but I I think we are so conflict-avoidant in our culture today that we are not in touch with the transformative power of Jesus. We're so conflict-avoidant in our marriages, in our relationships, in our homes, in our workplace, in in our walk with God, that we never get to experience the transformative work and ministry
1: of Jesus. We never get to have the healing hands placed on us. We're too afraid to lose. And here's the truth. Everything Jesus has for us is on the other side of letting go. And it is uncomfortable. Guys, this is what Jesus does. I mean, at some point, Jesus
0: gets to the place that we're all going to get to, and he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, think about that. Take your thing, whatever it is. And what if you were to to instead say, no, no. Not that thing, but just death. That's what, he, that's what he gives up to at that moment, right? Jesus says those words right before he breathes his last.
1: He chooses to let go, to not win. It's the hard facts of Jesus, but he, and he invites us to follow him. This cross carrying way of
0: discipleship. But he does it for a reason. And guys, it's not because he enjoys to see you suffer,
1: ain't it? It's because he knows how easy it is for us to default to whatever's
0: easy. He knows how up against our survival instincts he is. Jesus is so wise and he knows us so well that he chooses to make the way of the cross the very thing that, will be, that, that if we submit ourselves to it will begin to disarm us from the powers and principalities of each of our modern moments. And I, and I want you to understand what I'm saying here. Jesus chooses the cross. He didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross to save anybody. But he chooses the co-suffering road because he knows it's the only way that we will learn how to let go of the things that will ultimately enslave us. So while this is a hard truth, this is also a hard grace. That he knows that what's better for you than the thing you think you want him to do for you is this. Because as you learn to release that prize of yours,
1: All authority and power is restored to him, not to the thing. He does this
0: because it's good for us. And under the formation of Jesus, this cross vision that he has for our daily life, we begin to realize that the things we've been avoiding, the the trivial, the worthless, the counterintuitive, the things that were invisible before and are invisible, all of those avoidant moments, even our spouses who we can't stand, you pick it. When we begin to follow the cross
1: vision of Jesus, these become the very things that God uses to liberate us. We begin to, like the mundane things begin to make us holy. Because we're alive now. We're not asleep to our... Successful visions we have
0: but we're awake to the reality of what's happening in our world and what's happening in us now yeah I know but I'm not enjoying this
1: you will you will I can't stress it enough What do you gain if you win everything but forfeit your souls? Listen, your souls are hard to form. Think that's going to be pain-free? Not.
0: So maybe you're in the worst of it, and this is a season where you're ready to let go, but all I can tell you is please don't. Please don't. Because the fact that it's as hard as it is and as painful as it is, is the very same truth about what Jesus is doing in you. That this difficult thing that he's shaping in you must be
1: something pretty remarkable. Must be something pretty incredible on the other side. So we pick up our cross. And by doing
0: it, God protects us against the protocols of man,
1: against the false gospels. Because when we choose, because not picking up the cross of Jesus will lead us to picking up something else. And in this picking up of the cross, will keep us from being robbed by our
0: idols. Robbed of our joy. You know, I was at Walmart yesterday. You want to test out your life with Jesus, go to Walmart. <laughs> I was there yesterday, and I'm walking through the aisle, and I'm about to exit the aisle, and some guy on his little scooter just comes right in front of me, and I bump my thing, and, he's, and I'm like, are you for real? And he just looks at me, and he goes... Who stole your joy? And I was like, huh. I almost bowed
1: down and worshipped the feet of Jesus in that moment. He, he was right, though. I've been given something that I too quickly was able to let go of. And, and this is... Like,
0: when we let go of all of those things that you think and I think are so important, what gets instilled and developed in us in the letting go process, it's funny, as we let go, God builds on. What gets instilled in us is a joy that can't be robbed. A love that can't be taken. You could be like in relationship with like, the worst kind of people and still just you can't help but want to squeeze them. That's transformative power of god because remember his greatest affection is that we would be one he doesn't say lord jesus or he doesn't not pray father in heaven i just hope that they'll have no no issues ever and life will be perfect and they'll all get along always and um yeah amen that's how he prays
1: he's praying for oneness because he knows how hard that's going to be for us So we pick it up. And when we do that, guys, when you, when, you, when, you, when you
0: pick up that cross, you place yourself at the front line of Jesus' prayer in John 17. You become you begin to enter into a oneness with God and a oneness with others. And that's how you'll always know, guys. Listen, the, the defining marker for your life with God in all things, and all spaces of your life, again, it's not how smart you are about God. It's not how much you do for God. It's not even how much you've become like God. It's how much you love God and how much you love others. That is how you know that Jesus is being formed in you. So, if you don't like your spouse or you don't like your friends or you don't like your coworkers, whatever's, whatever is, go pick up your cross today. Let's do that with Jesus. There's going to be some questions that come up here. We're wrapping up now, and I want to invite you. These are the questions that I asked during, during the sermon, and, and I just want us to hold this with Jesus and say, Okay, God, yeah, all right, well, let's talk. And, and I want you to spend some time. This is your time with him, and he's so kind to meet you exactly where you are. And then as you're ready, there's a little prayer there. And maybe you need help with this. Like, talking to God is too hard. And I just would encourage you to join us in the back in the prayer corner. Or maybe you need a friend. Find a friend in the room who's willing to to hold you through this. But let's meet with Jesus now. Let's let him speak to us. He has the authority anyways, not me. So let me pray for us. And then we'll... Jesus, I just ask that you would, by your spirit, come to sight each of us now in your own way. Like you know what we need to hear, what we need to see, and let go of. You know how to... You, you really are the only one that should ever be rebuking us. And so, God, I just ask that you would meet with us now and that we would allow ourselves to meet
1: with you. Take your time, Axiom. Spend some time now being with him